Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. Going on, everybody. Welcome to Elijah Fire, episode 304. Very excited to be here. Happy it's Friday, uh, but happy to be here as well. So today is Friday, September 15th, 2023. I have no idea why. I almost keep saying January. Uh, like through the whole duration of September, I've been like, and it's January. Uh, not that I think it's January for some reason. I just want to interpret September as January. Anyways, doesn't matter. Uh, today is September 15th, 2023. If you guys are listening on Spotify and you're not following the Elijah Fire podcast yet, give us a follow. That'll really help us out. Write us an honest review. You guys are really delivering on those honest reviews. I checked the other day and I was like, nice. We actually have like a score on on spotify now i was very excited to see that it makes me feel that much more official um not that two years of doing this wouldn't make you feel official but uh it's just you know it's the little things guys it's the little things so thanks for showing up and giving us honest reviews also if you guys are listening on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and anywhere else give us an honest reviews that there as well we appreciate it so anytime you guys donate to elijahstreams.com slash donate all proceeds go towards keeping this free. Well, I should say, I should stop saying all proceeds because then my next thing is we take a portion of the donation and we put it into the water well. So most of the proceeds go towards keeping this free at five days a week, keeping it accessible to you guys um, and allows to do fun things like uh, merch, which I keep mentioning every single day this week because we're working on that now and I'm very excited. I'm like very excited. So. Um, but also you guys got introduced to Mike and Lori Sally yesterday. If you have not watched that episode, go do it because it's not just about water wells. It's not just about encouraging people to go do uh, short-term missions. Um, because having been a short-term missionary, I know that can suck the air out of the room. Uh, but it's the truth. Um, but they also shared an amazing story of them really being unlikely people. And that's what makes what God did with their yes in developing Show Mercy and now us partnering with them and impacting thousands upon thousands of people uh, with the gospel, uh, which is amazing. But a little thing like a yes from God, even when they were reluctant and it was not what they wanted to do, but they were being obedient um, is amazing. So I would really encourage you guys to go check out yesterday's show. Super easy to find. It's episode 303 with Mike and Lori Sally. Uh, but we're going to play a quick well update and then we're going to get going. Here we go. Over 7 million people in Uganda lack access to safe, clean water. But you are changing that statistic by providing access to clean water. But there is still a need. There are still many who don't have access to clean water. Would you continue to help bring clean water to the beautiful people of Uganda? Donate today online at ElijahStreams.com. Deanna Ross in the chat. I just saw your your pure enthusiasm with multiple exclamation marks. Uh, so I had to say hi back. I, I just, it was so infectious. I was like, I have to say hi back to Deanna Ross. Uh, so hi, Deanna. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome everybody else. Even if. Hi, everybody else, collectively. Um, 
Very excited about today's show, you guys. Um, you guys all know her. I don't really need to introduce her. She's the co-host of Elijah Streams and does a bang-up job over there. And we love her over here. She's a good friend of mine um, and Illuminations. And we just we keep it real. Kelsey keeps it real. She's honest. She 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 tells you like it is straight from the word. Um, so if you get upset, get upset, get upset at the Bible. Okay, don't get upset at Kelsey. That's not fair. All right. Uh, without any further ado, let's give it up for our guest today, Kelsey O'Malley. Kelsey, Kelsey, Kelsey. Hello. Welcome back. Hello. Thanks. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at Jeff for having me on. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You could do that too. Right. Right to Jeff. Yeah. How dare I'm so you have mad at read the Bible. Jeff. I mean, that's kind of the interesting thing, though, isn't it? About our you know culture right now especially amongst millennials and gen z um is getting really upset at people when all they're doing is reading what the bible says you know and right. i think that there's a lack of recognition of like dude like we're being we're being even amongst christians we're being conformed into what god desires for us um yeah. and what he's purposed and i think that that's really where there's like a, a separation where it's like people are fine with Christians so long as they don't read the Bible, tell people what's in the Bible. You know, people <laughs> like, I like Jesus, but I don't like Christians. I'm like, I think you should read what Jesus said. I think you'd be really right. offended, you know? <laughs> totally. Just, yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, one of the things we're going to talk about today is, you know, that is included in the letters to the seven churches. So compromise is really what we're seeing in the culture now. It mm -hmm. is a compromise of God's word. So to in order to make people happy, we compromise the word and we give our opinion of what we think the word means instead of reading it in context and actually in context and actually saying, this is what Jesus means when he says this, this, and this. And if you have a problem with that, and you're truly a Christian who's repentant at heart, then you need to go to the Lord and you need to get that worked out um, yeah. with God instead of just, um, you know, compromising on the word, because compromising on the word is going to lead you straight to hell. It's, it's not going to lead you to heaven. And then one little piece of leaven ruins the whole lump and you mm -hmm. see all these false ideas come in. Then people start to break down doctrine and only take and receive what they like. And then they make excuses for the stuff that they say, oh, well, that really means something else. And they're totally off um, on on what that means. And so that's really what we're seeing in the culture today. So more than ever, it's important to stand up for the word of God and do not compromise on what it says. And if people don't like it, you know, all I have to say is that I'm siding with Christ and I'm siding with Jesus over siding with what my culture, the culture of now says that is not going to get me anywhere except make me stumble time, time and time again, you know, yeah. so stand for the word. Don't ever yeah. compromise on it. Come on. Come on. So. All right, guys, we're going to talk about something I'm really excited about, which is the seven letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. I have a lot, a lot to say. I'm not just going to be reading the letters, but I'm going to be giving you guys details actually about 
well, where was the church of Laodicea? Where was the church of Smyrna? And what was going on? And why did Jesus tell John to write the way he wrote to the churches? So this might be a two-part episode, just warning you, I'm going to go as quick as I can. Um, absolutely as quick as I can. So, um, Jeff, if you're going to let me go, I'm going to start. Do it. Do it. Okay. Okay. So, well, let's just pray first before we get yeah. started. Um, and hi, everyone. I'm, I'm looking through your comments as Jeff was talking. Want to say hi to everybody that's joining us live. Welcome. Super excited about today's show. All right, Father, I just thank you for each and every person that has uh, jumped on with us. And Lord, those that will watch this later, Father, I ask um, that the spirit of revelation would really come and speak to people's hearts. God, you say that those who read the book of Revelation are blessed. Lord, those who keep the words of the prophecy are blessed. Lord, so I pray that the Holy Spirit would come and just illuminate these words to our hearts, that we would see what the Spirit was saying to the churches and God, how it applies to us today. And Father, I pray today that people would be drawn closer to your son. And Lord, I pray that you would encourage them through your word so that during hard times they could endure. And maybe God, if there's a place you're touching on their hearts today, Lord, that they would come to repentance and turn back to their first love. And Father, we thank you for being among us today. We thank you for your son. We bless you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. So let's turn to the book of Revelation. If you have your Bibles, you can go there with me, but we're going to be reading all through that today. And I want to start out by talking um, about Revelation 1. So don't ever be scared of the book of Revelation. It's an apocalyptic book. So a lot of people, oh, I'm, I don't want to read that. It's just, it's too confusing. I don't understand it. Um, there's free commentaries all over the internet. If you don't understand something in scripture, I want to encourage you to look up a commentary on what you're reading, because a lot of times we try to figure it out ourselves and go, oh, I wonder if this means this. And we start thinking in our own heads when um, the early church fathers have wrote about what this means and it's continued on. So um, the book of Revelation was written by the apostle John. And in Revelation 1, John opens the book by saying in verse 3, Blessed is the one who reads out loud the word of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear the word of the prophecy and keep what is written in it, because the time is near. So blessed are those who keep what is in the book of Revelation. So automatically, I think right away, well, that's the seven letters to the seven churches, because the rest of Revelation really talks about the bowls and the wrath of God and the tribulation and the new heavens and the new earth. And um, so really, how can we keep the prophecy? I believe that's alluding to the seven letters to the seven churches. Uh, John then sees the Lord in his full glory. So we read in Revelation 1, he sees the Lord with hair white like wool, eyes of fire, a double-edged sword coming out of his mouth, a long white robe with a golden sash. So we're seeing this imagery of how John sees the Lord. And could you imagine John seeing him this way? Because he knew Jesus. He walked with him. He rested his head on his chest. He was so close to Jesus. Whenever Jesus would go to the mountain, who would he always call guys? James, John, John and Peter. So mm. John was like, I mean, really close with him, but now he sees him in this glorious resurrected majesty of the Lord. 
And so I love this because when we read through Revelation 1 and then we get into the letters, you guys are going to see that when Jesus introduces himself in each one of the letters, he's pulling, not each one, there's some he describes himself differently, but most of the letters, he's pulling the imagery from how John saw him in his glory. So when Jesus is speaking to the churches, he's speaking from the throne, from the realm of glory in his kingly like righteous, full, full glory state, he is speaking to the churches. So that's something um, really important to note. And then we see in Revelation 1 that Jesus is holding seven stars in his right hand, and he's walking amongst seven golden lampstands. And, you know, John is probably thinking, why is he holding seven stars? But Jesus interprets that for John. So he says, see, John, the seven stars are the seven angels to the seven churches. Another word for that there could be messenger. So the angels are the messengers. So think about it. You would think of um, the messengers to the churches would be the leaders, the elders, the pastors there. The letter is going to be sent to the elders who then are giving it to the church. They are the messengers and Jesus is holding them in his hand. And I love that because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And those who are leaders in the church, elders in the church, pastors, evangelists, the Lord holds you in his hand. He has you. He's anointed you. He's the one who's working through you. So that is just, that's amazing to me because he's mm -hmm. still doing that. And he's walking amongst the seven golden lampstands. And one thing we know about lampstands is they need oil. They need to be constantly tended to. So the oil we know in the scripture, uh, scripture always interprets scripture. So if you're not sure of, oh, what does this mean? I don't know. Look up where else you may find a similar wording in the scripture because scripture is always going to interpret itself. So the oil means the Holy Spirit, the anointing, the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is walking among the lampstands. And what is he doing walking among them? He's tending to them. So the lampstands are the seven churches. So he's always tending to his church. He's making sure that it's shining bright, that it's on fire, that it has enough oil. He's not going to let the oil go out. He's not going to let um, the Holy Spirit depart uh, from the church. Now, unless you're disobedient, which we'll read. Um, in the letters, which he actually says in one letter, I will remove your lampstand, which is really interesting because, oh, hold on. The Lord can remove it. He can remove it. He's the one who walks amongst it. So we want to make sure we're um, obedient to his word. So a little bit about the Apostle John and the book of Revelation. You guys know that he was exiled to the island of Patmos. And this is where he actually received this revelation where he saw the Lord. He heard the voice of the trumpet, turned around, saw the Lord. He received visions and he wrote down everything. Jesus said, write it down in a scroll what you see. So uh, Apostle John had relationship with these seven churches. So this was not just something Jesus was showing the Apostle John. Apostle John knew exactly where these churches were. He had visited them. We know Paul started the church of Ephesus. Uh, Timothy visited there. Aquila, Priscilla were there. Uh, John also had relationship with them. So when Jesus shares these letters to John and he writes them, John would have known what the Lord was talking about. So John is aware when Jesus says, you tell this church this, and I'll, I'll explain each letter why he speaks the way he does to each church. But you'll see that John knew the cities where idolatry was running rampant. 
John knew the cities, um, you know, who their gods were and how the people acted because each city was different in not only what they did and some were um, suppliers of linens and textiles and others had huge um, idolatry, like massive temples to four or five, six gods where all the people were worshiping them. And if you didn't worship them, um, you were going to be persecuted 100%. And so when John um, wrote the letter, um, and when Jesus gave him this information um, on the Isle of Patmos, the churches were really being persecuted during this time. So there was an emperor reigning called Domitian, and he was the one who started really badly persecuting um, Christians. And many believe he was the one who actually exiled John um, oh, interesting. to Patmos. And so let's start. Um, I'm trying to go as quick as I can because we have a lot of stuff. So let's um, start with the letter of um, to the church of Ephesus. You'll notice that um, most of the churches that Jesus describes, um, he describes himself. We'll see out of Revelation 1. Um, Jesus also says in every single letter, I know. He says it multiple times. I know. Why? Because he knows all. He knows what you do every single day. He knows every thought. He knows how the churches are operating, even current state. You think of the different denominations and the different churches. He knows. He knows how they operate. He knows those who only care about the programs, or he knows those who are hungry after his presence. It's, it's still the same today. The Lord is walking amongst us, guys, and he knows. And so in each letter, you'll see um, that uh, Jesus greets them, and then he commends them except Laodicea. He does not commend Laodicea. They're in trouble. Um, then he corrects them and he ends with their reward of them being faithful. So each letter is really in the same type of sequence. Um, you'll see that as a theme through the seven letters. Okay. So let's go ahead and start um, in Revelation 2. So it says, write to the angel of the church of Ephesus. Thus says the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, and who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, and your endurance, and that you cannot tolerate evil people. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you have found them to be liars. I know that you have preserved and endured hardships for the sake of my name, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember then how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet you do have this. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who conquers. I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Oh, so awesome. I love these letters, guys. They're so powerful. The word of God is alive. And as you read it, it's like, oh, I just feel that. So Ephesus, let's talk about the city of Ephesus. So Ephesus had a temple to Diana um, or the Greek guard Artemis. She was the goddess of childbirth um, and nature, and she was the daughter of Zeus the twin sister of Apollo. So 
um, the temple of Diana was a huge pagan god that they would worship. Um, Zeus was a big, um, the number one god that most uh, pagans would worship. And so she had a temple there. Um, and, you know, the Nicolaitans, I want to talk about them for a minute too, because a lot of people, you read that, I'm sure a lot of you have read that and read past Nicolaitans and never even questioned like, I wonder what that is, you know? Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. To get behind this ministry, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Now, back to the show. Okay, well, the Nicolaitans, um, they were those who tried to bring pagan worship, sexual immorality, sacrificing food to idols. Um, They persuaded Christians to conform to Roman culture. So the Nicolaitans were people who would preach the gospel, but compromise Interesting in this, in the city of Ephesus, because wow. in Ephesus and in, in most of these cities where there was idol worship, if you did not worship and go to the um, temple of Diana and sacrifice to idols, then a lot of times when you would um, do business with different people, Um, They would not, they would stop doing business with you because you were not at these wild temple parties where there was debauchery, crazy things happening. I mean, um, whatever the worst your mind can think is probably what was going on. And so, you know, if they were not at these type of parties, these worship ceremonies, if they were not engaging in this type of stuff, the merchants would stop um, trading with them, would stop doing business with them. And it was basically um, a death sentence for your business. So let's say you were a Christian and you converted, um, or you were not a Christian, you converted to Christianity. Well, right there, you knew because of the persecution that was in these cities, you knew, well, if I convert and I accept Christ, if you had any type of business, there goes your business. Because you could no longer engage in the um, temple sacrifices, in the eating, the meat, um, and all of that stuff. And so, you know, the Nicolaitans were a very influential thing that came into the church. They were an influential group. Why? Because think about this. You could accept Christ, but you could also be part of the pagan ceremonies because what they would teach is once you're saved, you're saved. So it didn't matter what you were doing. You're under grace. Mm. So if you still went, you can keep your business. You can keep making my keep, keep doing business, keep sacrificing to idols. Um, You're under grace. And so when you think of the Nicolaitans, I'm, I sure can tell you that there's churches today that border on the teachings of the Nicolaitans, oh which Jesus says yeah. he hates, he mm. hates that. Why? Because it's compromised, because it's the teaching that you can have the world fully and you can have Christ fully. Well, we know that the scripture says you cannot have both. Mm -hmm. You deny yourself and you follow Christ. You get renewed by the transformation of your mind. You cannot serve the world and serve God, but that's what the Nicolaitans were teaching. So you can see how that doctrine would become really popular in Ephesus and would spread really quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I know a lot of people today that unfortunately, um, they believe that they can uh, be a Christian, but they can also... Um, sin as much as they want. They can practice homosexuality with mm-hmm. no conviction. That's fine. God's fine with that. And it's just these compromises that they brought into the church. So 
obviously Jesus is saying, you know, he was commending Ephesus. So he commended them. He said, um, let me find it here. He said, um, you do have this. You do have this. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So he commends Ephesus. He commends the church because he says, you don't tolerate. You hate those practices. You will not sacrifice to idols. You will not be part of that. And I hate that. And so do you. So he commends that. So think of today, Jesus commending the church who's standing for his word, Mm -hmm. who's not compromising and saying, you know what? If I lose friends and I lose business associates when I um, become a Christian, then that's fine because I'm serving Christ. I'm not going to serve my business. I'm not going to idolize my business. I'm going to serve Christ. And so I love I love that about um, what we can really draw from this letter is totally that because I believe the Nicolaitans have and are in the church today. And it's, um, it's very enticing to follow um, that type of message, but we don't want to follow that. We want to be strong in Christ. We want to stand on the word of God and, and do what it says. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, and an, a, a good right. example, a good example of that really quick would be, um, I actually just saw this today. There was someone who was arguing saying the word homosexual doesn't appear until 1946 so it's 1946 1947 in in one of the new revisions of uh, new translations of the bible okay so they're they're looking at a specific word uh-huh, and then they word. go then they go homosexuality and they go mm-hmm. it didn't appear until then so therefore the people back when the new testament was being written had a completely different view of, uh, of sexuality therefore homosexuality is okay so they're looking they'll they'll use the specific wording that we use Mm -hmm. today whether it's pride as in like gay pride homosexuality uh there's a lot of different and not just in terms of lgbtq stuff but all kinds of stuff and though it's it's a like i've talked about before it's a theology of omission so oh it's not this isn't in there so it's okay you know but the bible if you read it is very clear on um, on this type of behavior it's very clear. yes yes uh, it just it, it it's irrelevant if they use the word homosexual or not irrelevant right the act itself is condemned yes. by god that's yeah. right so exactly. that's a good example that's, that's of how that type example. of how that type of uh worldly very modern uh theology right. theology is getting interwoven into the body of christ Yes, it's very deceptive. The Bible clearly says in the Old Testament, a man should not sleep with a man. A woman should not sleep with a woman. Romans even talks about men gave themselves up to sexual perversion. Women gave themselves up in uh, unnatural manner. Um, So it doesn't have to be the word homosexual. It's like you said, it's the act Mm -hmm. of a man being with a man is strictly an abomination to God. And so whether the word is there or not, the principle of it is in the Bible all throughout the Bible. So mm-hmm. again, yep. you cannot take a word and totally Jeff, that's a great example. And so we're seeing that is becoming very popular. Um, and so that reminds me of, Hey, that's what the Nicolaitans did. And it's, it's almost like you can have your cake and eat it too type of Christianity, which a mm-hmm. true convert to Christ doesn't want their cake 
and eat it too. A mm -hmm. true convert who understands the cross, like um, the, the church of Ephesus says, hold on a minute. This is not of Christ. This is not who he is. And I, I will not follow this. The, the letter is clear that we do not eat meat sacrificed to idols. That was one of the things that they specified in the book of Acts. Remember, they were debating about circumcision and they said, well, the, the Jewish people came in and said, well, you know what? They still need to be circumcised. And so they ended up going to like the council the, to, to figure this out, to give a letter to Paul, to bring back to the churches because, and so in that he said, don't eat meat with blood in it or sacrifice to idols because of people's conscience. And, you know, so there was things that were in the letter that were known and the church obviously knew this. And, um, you know, we have to be really careful when we just accept um, something as, oh, well, it's with the age that we're in. You know, mm -hmm. it's, oh, it's, this is of the age. No, we don't want to do that, guys. Um, no. We want to be like the church of Ephesus and we want to hate those practices. And notice that it doesn't say hate them, the Nicolaitans. It says hate the practices the practice, of the Nicolaitans. Exactly. I thought that was he really hates, important. Yeah. He hates the practices of them because they are bringing in. Um, you're conforming away from what the Bible tells you to, and it's only going to lead you. Jesus, Jesus would never tell us something and say, oh, well, you know, you need to do this if it wasn't right for us. He's leading us down the path of truth and of righteousness. That's how, that's where he's leading us. He's not leading us into deception and error. He would never do that. And he wants to keep a people for himself, holy, pure, and righteous and that's why he corrects us and that's why he uses the word to correct us and that's why we have the gift of repentance is because he's keeping us holy and pure a perfect and spotless bride mm -hmm. for himself and the encouraging thing is to the one who conquers so to the one who will not conform to the one who conquers I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. What a promise. Every one of these letters has a promise that is worth more than gold, more than silver. It's eternity with him, eternity with Christ. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. All right, guys, we're going to move on to the next letter, um, which is the church of Smyrna. All right. That write to the angel of the church of Smyrna, thus says the first and the last, the one who was dead and came to life. I know your affliction and poverty, but you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. Look, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison to test you. And you will experience affliction for 10 days. Be faithful to the point of death. And I will give you the crown of life. Let anyone who has ears listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will never be harmed by the second death. So let's start out with the second death. Because what is the second death? Because you've probably read that and thought, what do you mean it won't be harmed by the second death? Yeah, and it's the always been something that I've been like, oh, I'll I'll look at that later. You know, you put a <laughs> mental note and then you just never do. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I've done that with many passages, Jeff. Yes. Um, so the second death is synonymous with the lake of fire. How do I know that? Because scripture interprets scripture. So Revelation 21.8 says, but as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. James 1, verse 2 through 4. Um, oh, I'm sorry, that's in reference to something else. So the second death is clearly shown right here as the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. So Jesus promising them at the end of that letter, you'll never be harmed by the second death. That's the lake of fire. You'll never be thrown into the lake of fire because as a Christian, Jesus took your place. He took the wrath of God upon himself. And so when you stand before him, your name is in the Lamb's book of life and you are covered. You, you will always spend eternity with Christ. Eventually the new heavens, the new earth, you will never have to worry about being thrown into the lake of fire. It's interesting that Jesus tells them they're rich. But in the natural, they're poor and afflicted. Hmm. Total, total opposite. <laughs> A lot of the teaching you hear today mm -hmm. is that if you are poor and sick or afflicted in your body in any way, um, there's something wrong with you, that you are not a true Christian. Yet we see here that Jesus is saying to those in Smyrna, listen, you're poor. Well, why are they probably poor? Because they turned to Christ and they lost their businesses. They're afflicted. They're persecuted. But Jesus says, you're rich. Why are those in Smyrna rich? Because they've turned to Christ. And what you have to understand, especially in America, especially, um, you know, in the West, is that, listen, people will tell you in the world, this is what makes you rich. Silver, gold, possessions. Like the devil offer Jesus all the kingdoms of the world I'll give to you. And so don't confuse that as being rich because spiritually we've been given all things. We have an inheritance forever. We are rich in Christ. And so maybe you are afflicted in your body and maybe that's something that's really, really been hard for you and tormenting you day after day. And you're praying, Lord, heal me. And it's just, it's not, it's not coming. Well, I want to encourage you with this letter to the church of Smyrna that Jesus himself says, you're afflicted, you're poor, but you're rich. And so know that you are rich in Christ. You have something that's, it's, you can't even express how much it's worth to be born again. You, it's, it's, way beyond uh, monetary value. You cannot say, what is the monetary value of salvation? It's beyond. It's forever with him, which what does that even look like? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I just know it's going to be absolutely incredibly amazing beyond what we could even ask or think beyond what we could even imagine. Jesus says, there'll be no more tears. There'll be no more sadness. I mean, just that alone, all of us go through times that are really hard and cry. We all cry. We all are sad. We all lose loved ones. It's not easy to be on earth, but we have the promise 
that forever will be with him in all his joy and all his glory. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. It's inexpressible what we'll get to to encounter when we're with him for all eternity. And so truly you're rich. I just love that because it goes against um, a lot of what people say now, which is mm-hmm. just, and you'll never hear prosperity preachers reading the scripture, obviously, because it would just totally uh, go against what what they're teaching. Now, yeah. will Jesus bless you? And um, can you be rich uh, with money and cars? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. It's not money. It's the love of money. Right. And if it has yeah. your heart, it has you. And yeah, so- riches are not the mark of being you know in good standing with the lord like those aren't those aren't the mark of it now obviously you may receive blessing right you may receive blessing as a result of knowing the lord but that's not the mark of you know no No. just like just like ryan right just like ryan say he buys you something and you're like yeah this is how i know i'm married you know what i mean like that's not (laughs) that's not it you know what i mean exactly yeah Yeah, that's so good so yes can you be blessed and can you be rich oh absolutely can god can you have a great business and can god uh, bless you with finances and yeah absolutely but as long as that isn't doesn't have your heart then you're fine but Mm -hmm. if it does have your heart and you're a christian then you just repent and I, i would say read through the scripture and make sure that You know, Paul's conviction was that he was giving to widows and orphans. And I think that should be all our convictions, to be completely honest with you. Um, I think a lot of times um, our churches are always like, well, you need to give into you need to give into this project or this project. But really what's I always I've said this before, I think on here and many times, if you really want to bless God and you really want to, like, bless the father's heart, give to widows and orphans, give to those who are less fortunate, who who have nothing for themselves. Mm -hmm. Give out of your abundance to them, like the water wells um, that you guys do and partner with um, Mike and um, is it Sally? L- Lori. 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 Mike and Lori, Sally. Sally's the last Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Mike and Lori. Um, yeah. Partnering with something like that where it is really changing people's lives and they are seeing the love of God poured out um, right in front of them. And mm-hmm. every time they look at that water, there's no way they're not thinking that okay, hold on, there's a God in heaven here that's looking out for us. And so things like this is a way um, that you can bless the Lord. If you see a single mom in front of you at the grocery store and you know she's struggling to buy those groceries that used to be $50 and are now $120. Mm -hmm. Hey, if you have some extra money, help her. You know, just these little things is is give to those who are in need of it. Mm -hmm. Out Out of the much that you have been given, help others. And that's how you know that money doesn't have you. If you can freely give it, you can freely give it away as the Lord asks you, you know that money doesn't have you. It mm-hmm. it, it doesn't because you can just let it go. And yeah. it's, it's it's really fun actually. It is fun. Yeah. A joyful it, giver. Yeah. Yeah. There are times even like when I was because you get to see that a lot when you're a cashier, you know, you get a lot of people coming through. When I was at Trader Joe's, I would I would buy people's groceries sometimes if they were like they used a card. There's like a single parent. They used a card and it ba- like it rejected it. I just pull my mm-hmm. card and I just swipe. I'm like, you're good. And, then, and they're like, what? Awesome. No. You know, <laughs> and Aww, it's just, it is really, awesome. it is really fun. I'm not like tooting my horn. I'm just saying it's no, really fun not. to do it. Yeah, like it is like go and like 
just buy something for someone. Like it's so fun. It is. And it's it's like, more blessed is yeah. it to give than receive. Yeah. And when Paul talks about being a joyful giver, the reason you can be a joyful giver is because you're not under compulsion. So Jeff mm -hmm. is never under compulsion when someone's card would decline. His out of the abundance of love in his heart, he wanted to do that. He wasn't under compulsion. And so whenever you're not under compulsion to give, it's fun to give. Mm -hmm. You know when it's hard to give? When you're okay. sitting in a place and they're badgering you. You need to give. If you're not giving, God can't bless anything else. And that's not, show yeah. me a scripture for that. If I don't right. give, God can't it's bless like, anything. Then you're just giving out of like guilt or fear it's or horrible. whatever. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. It's awful. You know, Paul says giver, determine... So. Paul says, determine what you're going to give before you go. So mm. don't ever let someone, don't ever be under compulsion to give. Give out of the abundance of mm -hmm. your blessing to others mm -hmm. as the Lord leads you. And you'll realize that it is very awesome to give. Better to give um, than receive. It and really truly, is. Yeah. Truly, we're rich in every way. And as a believer, as a Christian, we are rich guys spiritually. Mm -hmm. Do you ever just wake up in the morning and just bless God when you wake up and think like, I am forever saved from my sin because of him. I am forever saved from the wrath of God because of Jesus. Mm -hmm. I am so it's, it's I mean, I'm sorry to me. That is greater than some person who wakes up and is like oh i get to go on my yacht today my helicopter but they're not <laughs> saved and you know the truth yeah. is about people yeah. if, if you if you actually listen to celebrities who talk about their life mm -hmm. you'll hear how just how miserable they are they have a hole in their heart they're empty they have yet yeah, they reap up abundance of things mm -hmm. abundance of things and they're miserable yeah but go ahead jeff no i was gonna say even the ones that are like Oh, I really like them. I like their vibe. They're like always happy. Like if you listen to them talk, you can, especially if you have any shred of discernment, you can feel they're barely holding together. Like yeah. you're like, do really you? Sad. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's really sad. And it's an abundance of things does not give true joy, lasting peace. Jesus is the Prince of peace and only he can give true joy, true mm -hmm. peace um, true happiness. I heard a yeah. story once. Um, I love Bobby Connor. He shared a story once where, mm -hmm. um, witches came into his meeting and they were saying all different types of things to him. I think the story goes, if I'm correct, um, that they were actually levitating, like to show their power. Dude, and they were... I got to ask him about that. He's going to be on the yeah. show. We're, we're going to have him on oh, the show. Okay. Yeah. I love him. Um, I have I, to ask I him about him. this. <laughs> so you need to definitely ask him about this. So um, I believe that they were, they were like trying to start something with them. And so they were, mm -hmm. they were levitating, like to show their power or whatever. And they're like, okay, well, what, you know, now let me see the power of your God. And so he, he said, the Lord whispered to him and said, the one thing you'll never have is peace. And so he, that's all he did to like show. He said, well, you may have all of this power, but you'll never have peace. And I believe the story goes, she just completely fell to the floor, like completely lifeless, just sobbing Wow! because they'll have power and they'll, oh, you know, I can cast spells and do this, but they have no 
peace ever. They're tormented. They are tormented. People who dabble in new age, they're tormented people. They, they may seem like they're happy. Oh, well, I prayed to my crystals and everything's, you know, wonderful. The stars are aligned. But if you really talk to these people, they're, they're mm. tormented. They yeah. are never at peace because Jesus Christ is the only one who can give true and lasting peace. Yeah, well, and that's, that's one of the reasons why. I mean, yeah, like obviously like pagan, occult stuff is on the rise witchcraft new age is on the rise however there are a lot of people who are getting saved out of that stuff so oh, yeah. in the same way like i've said on the show before there is an uh, god has awakened something within people there's this just in, insane hunger i think it, a lot of it has to do with just the climate of you know things going on and and that you know darkness is Darkness is getting darker, light is getting right. lighter. And so those lines, yeah. are, you know, like are getting very clearly drawn as time progresses. And so I think people are, feel this, you know, we're, we're made for communion with God. God is spirit. He is, you know, we're spirit beings. And, and so there's this, there's this need to fill that. Right. So, um, obviously people will go towards dark things. And, and so it, it's like, all that to say, a lot of people are recognizing what you're talking about, Kelsey. I've I've seen yep. so many on Instagram, so many ex New Agers that are now spirit filled Christians talking about that exact same thing. They're like, I was like a guru, right? I was like somebody who's like always telling people their daily horoscope and and right. and channeling and manifesting yada yada, and um you know always tried really hard to project a certain image to people but inside i was just dead you know yeah. so yep and you know that's the truth and they people can tell you all they want oh i'm so happy i'm so this and that but the reality is is if you really talk to them they they have a lot of um a lot of uh shame a lot of trauma mm -hmm. a lot of guilt they they still know there's something missing Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the, that's the term they'll use is like, there's something missing. And so sharing the gospel is so important. The truth of the gospel, the truth of God's word, because God's word is what sets people free. So it's not the compromise word or this, this opinion of the word. It's the true word of God. And sharing the truth is always a seed that is planted in someone's heart. So even if you share the truth with one of your friends or someone you know, and it is hard for them to hear it, that was a seed that was planted and God promises in the word to water the seeds. Mm -hmm. So God will come and water that. And you just share the truth. You always stand for the truth, even though it's hard. And it is hard. It's not always easy. I mean, think about Peter, okay? Peter the, a servant girl was at the gate after they took Jesus. And she said, you're one of him. You're one of the followers. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. This Peter who spent three years with Jesus to a little girl is like, nope, not me. Not me. A member of, of Jesus's inner circle of, yes. you know, one of his Deny guys him. on Deny this him. rock. I will build my church <laughs> is what Jesus said to him, you know? Paul's, Peter's like, I'll never deny you, Lord. I'll never deny you. And then it says mm -hmm. after that, I love this scripture because people always talk about Peter saying, I'll never deny you. But then it says after that, and all the rest agreed. <laughs> so all of them said, like, yeah, we'll dude. never deny you, Lord. No and way. you know what I love about that is that um, 
it shows um, when Jesus comes back to Peter and restores him. I love the Lord so much because Peter's a perfect example of what we've all done to where let's say um, one of your friends is over and you get an opportunity to share the gospel and your heart starts racing and you're like, how am I going to share the gospel? What am I going to say? Like they open yeah. it, right? Like the Holy spirit <laughs> is working. Like they say the perfect phrase yeah. and you don't take the opportunity. Yeah. Well, let me just tell you, join the club of people who've not mm -hmm. done that, but the yeah. Lord always comes to restore and he always, I mean, he understands, he understands. And it's walking with God over time. It's reading the scripture over time. It's building um, our confidence in the Lord and also praying that the Holy Spirit would empower us and embolden us for, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. Make sure you ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, give me boldness to share, to witness to people. Give me boldness because I, you can't do it on your own. There's no way. So mm. ask the Holy Spirit, give me boldness when I go to witness or Lord, help me. Would you give me another opportunity with my friend? God, I, I really want to share because a lot of times you do miss the first opportunity, but ask the Lord to give you another one. He'll give you another opportunity and you'll get to share. And maybe you can even journal and write down some of the things you want to say, look up some mm. scriptures. Maybe you didn't tell him the gospel that time because you truly didn't know how to share the gospel. You didn't mm -hmm. know any scriptures to share. And you should know, you know, know John 3, 16, know what Jesus did, know the, the point of the cross. If you're going to share the gospel with your friends and maybe God's just giving you an opportunity, write that stuff down. Hey, I really want to memorize John 3, 16. I, I really want to know that. And then when there's another opportunity, you can share and be confident in what you're sharing. And if they have questions, you can answer those questions. You know, you can be there to point them back to scripture. And so God uses all things. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. All right, Amen. let's move Amen. on to the church. We're of probably, Birmingham. by the way, the everybody, <laughs> we are, we are going to do, we decided before the show that we're going to do a part two so we can actually because with Kelsey and I know how we are when we get going and we're looking at the notes and I'm like, yeah, we're not going to get through all these. So we should do a part two. So there will be a part two. Yeah, so sure. we will conclude these. So if anybody's like, guys, stop talking. You need to get through all the letters. We will, sorry. but it's going to be through two episodes. You're welcome. You get more content. So yeah, <laughs> yeah sorry. Me and we're, we're friends, guys. So it's hard yes. for friends to just not talk. Okay. Yeah. So Church of Pergamum. All right. So write the letter to the angel of the church of Pergamum. Thus says the one who has the sharp double edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan's throne is, yet you are holding on to my name and did not, did not deny your faith in me. Even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was put to death among you where Satan lives. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold on to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to place a stumbling block in front of the Israelites to eat meat, sacrifice to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Sounds a lot like the Nicolaitans. In the same way, you also have those who hold on to the teachings of the Nicolaitans. So repent. Otherwise, I will come to you quickly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Let anyone who has ears hear and listen to what the spirit says to the churches to the one who conquers i will give some of the hidden manna i will also give him a white stone and on the white stone a new name is inscribed that no one knows except 
the one who receives it. So the church of Pergamum. Um, it's interesting how Jesus proclaims himself to be the one with the sharp, double-edged sword. Because in Pergamum, Rome had all authority in that city to kill whoever they wanted by the sword. So that was not a common thing. Usually there had to be trial, but but Pergamum was granted by Rome to slay by the sword whoever they wanted. So when Jesus proclaims himself to that city as the one who has the sharp double-edged sword, he's the one saying, I alone have the power over life mm. and death. And wow. he's the one who holds the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And he mm. says in Matthew 10, 28, don't be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So in this letter, it talks about Satan's throne. Satan's throne dwells. And we know it's important because Jesus actually comments on Satan's throne twice, not once, but twice. He says, where Satan's throne is, where Satan's throne dwells. So twice Jesus mention, mentions this. And we know Satan's throne is the gods that were in uh, Pergamum, the false pagan gods that were there. And there were many many pagan gods in Pergamum. The church of Pergamum really had to struggle against idolatry. Um, they mentioned the Nicolaitans and the sin of Balaam, which got them to sacrifice to idols and sexually uh, sexual immorality. Well, why is he mentioning that in this letter to this church? Because they had so many pagan temples. Listen to the different gods that they worshiped there. The first one was uh, Dionysus. He was the son of Zeus. He supposedly offered his followers life after death and meaningful life on earth through drinking excess wine and eating raw meat. Mm. Also through sexual practices in the temple. Um, Dionysus worship was actually so crazy, you guys, that it ended up being outlawed in Rome. Wow. So it got to be so crazy in those temple. They used to have temple gatherings, temple parties, whatever you want to call them. And gatherings. <laughs> gatherings. And this was the type of gatherings, the festivals that they had. You basically had to be there and you wanted to be there because as um, an idolater, as one who worshipped a Dionysus, you knew that this was a time where you were going to meet with the community and lots of things were going to go down in that temple. Yeah, so you're go bad, nuts. you guys. Yeah. So bad. The excess wine, the eating raw meat, the sexual immorality, so bad that it was outlawed in Rome. That's that's bad. Super okay, bad. the next <laughs> super bad. The next the next god is Asclepius. Asclepius, if I'm pronouncing that correct, it's A S C-L-E-P-I-U-S, Asclepius. He was known as the snake god of healing. So when they went to this temple shrine, they would pass a snake symbol and thereby credit any healing they received to the snake god. So they would walk in the temple. There would be an image of a snake. The people who were sick, their body would pass by this snake um, idol and if they were healed from looking at it and walking by it, they would credit their healing to this God. Priests were in that temple and they would accept the patients, but they didn't want any pregnant women and they didn't want terminally ill people. So 
it's interesting when you think about, you know, they didn't want terminally ill because, you know, it's like then their track record would go way down if they're God, you know, like mm -hmm. how come no one's getting healed? Terminally, terminally ill people aren't getting healed, you know, um, just, you know, back, back, back pain or, you know, maybe some stomach sickness, but they would not receive terminally ill people. So they would bring sick people into the back of the temple. Um, there was a room back there and they'd give them this drug that would induce visions. So they would meet with them. These priests would um, administer a drug. I don't know what the drug was, but they would get them into a trance-like state where they could have a vision. And so people that with the patients would have a vision. And when they had a vision of the snake God, so they had to have some type of vision that included the snake God. And he would tell them what to do to be healed in this vision. And so when they came out of the vision, they would tell the priests, I saw Asclepius and he said, I need to eat this herb. Or he said, I need to walk around the lake 15 times. Or So it would basically just be like um, diet, exercise. They had this special spring water. He told me to drink the spring water. So then the priests would implement whatever this vision they had. And if someone was healed, so if, if you were claimed to be healed, if you claim to be healed from this, so let's say you had the vision, you had stomach ailments, you went and drank the spring water, and then you said, oh, my stomach feels better. They would carve their name into a stone and say what they were healed of. Wow. Now, remember at the, le the end of this letter, what does Jesus say? White so remember stone. All these yeah, right. he's referring to the white stone. That's right. So at the end of the letter, he says, I will carve a name that no one knows into a white stone. So in Pergamum, under this specific God, they were known to carve into a stone their name when they were healed. And so Jesus comes and says, for the one who conquers, I will give you a white stone with a new name carved into it. So isn't that amazing? I just think that's so yeah incredible so there's some people pointing out that um you know that's it's a really well-known symbol um here in uh america i don't know if it's internationally but the it's like a, a rod with a snake wrapped around it on a lot of ambulances and stuff i've actually heard yes. two separate interpretations of that but if you look it up now it used to be said that it was in reference to the 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 rod that moses held up with the snake um you know when all the serpents were coming and he's like yeah. god's like put the snake on the the rod and right people who look at that will be saved uh, but now i just looked it up and it says it symbolizes the staff of asclepius so like even now crazy right yeah so at one point I, I do think it's possible. Um, someone who's maybe lived a lot longer than me may be, may be able to confirm this. But even when I was younger in the Lord, that was common knowledge that that's actually what it was in reference to was Moses. But now when you look it up, it does say the rod uh, of Asclepius, which actually when you were talking about Asclepius, the snake god of healing, I immediately thought, oh, that seems like that's Satan's direct mockery of what he did with Moses, but I don't know. It could just be. I mean, well, remember I Jesus said where Satan is enthroned. So Satan is enthroned through false gods, mm -hmm. false worship, stuff like this. And, you know, there's a reason why um, the 
pole and the snake that Moses made was destroyed. It was destroyed. Why? So people wouldn't worship it. Right. It's the exact reason it was destroyed. And so yeah. now here in the city of Pergamum, where Jesus says the throne of Satan dwells in Pergamum, we see the same symbol pop up and people look upon it to be healed and then worship this fake God and give mm -hmm. praise unto him that they were healed through it. So, yeah, I mean, we see with Pergamum, Pergamum was really not the best place to live it would be hard to be um in the church at pergamum it would not be an easy place um to endure thanks for listening the elijah fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours to become a partner visit elijahfire.com slash give to mm. continue to follow the lord so yeah. there's more gods there there's more temples there so the next one is demeter goddess of grain she was said to provide food and forgive sins for those who immersed themselves in bulls' blood. So just Whoa. think about the think about that where Satan's throne is, all the mockery of Christ mm -hmm. between looking upon it and being healed, being immersed in bulls' blood for the forgiveness of your sins. I mean, this is total mockery of the yeah. Christian faith. And then um, they ought, they too, back, back in these times, they used to also worship the emperors. That was really common. They would bow down and worship the, em the emperors. So Caesar Augustus was um, emperor at this time um, in Pergamum. And they would, um, at the Athena temple, they would um, call him their god and they would worship him. Mm. So there was many, many different gods in Pergamum. Um, and um, they were all worshipped by most of the pagan people. So it would have been really, really hard to be part of the church of Pergamum. And Jesus obviously um, knew that. That's why he referenced twice, I know, I know where you live. So we think of different cities in America. I mean, you can see the difference. And so that's what I, you know, even with John, John had been to Pergamum, Pergamum. John knew. So just like if I say to you, go to San Francisco and then go to the, you know, the Midwest in a town of a thousand people, there's a huge difference between San Francisco and some little town in Iowa. Mm -hmm. I mean, and so John knew when he was writing this, like, yeah, they're, they're suffering. They're definitely where um, Satan's throne is. And so the story of Balaam, that's also noted um, in, in this letter to Pergamum. So the story of Balaam is found in Numbers 22 through 25. Um, being fearful of the Israelites because of what they had done to the Amorites, Balak, king of Moab, hired Balaam to curse them. So he was a prophet, prophet of God. He wasn't a false prophet. He was a prophet of God. Um, after trying unsuccessfully three times to curse Israel, uh, Balaam came up with another plan. And what did he do? He decided to corrupt them by his counsel. So he counseled them. He taught them to have Moabite women to seduce Israelite men into intermarriage, resulting in blasphemous union of Israel and fornication with idolatrous feasts. So at Pergamum, again, we see something similar to the Nicolaitans, which is um, a, a teaching within the church, because this is a letter to the church, so it's within the church. There's a teaching within the church at Pergamum that you can be part of idol worship. You can, you can, you're under grace. It's okay. Hey, if, if 
all of your family and all of the people you work with are going to the temple of, you know, the snake god, you're under grace. You can go look at the snake. It's, you know, it's no big deal. And so that's it. It's a counsel to teach people to commit things that are wrong against the Lord. Mm. And so, you know, I love I love how even today, again, we draw back even to Ephesus. It's like, don't follow these false teachings. Don't mm -hmm. follow counsel that's opposite of the Bible that's telling you conform to the culture that right. you're in. Well, and that, even, that right. And so something that I saw in India um, and, and so this is called contextualizing the gospel. Okay. Um, in an effort to try and help people understand there was a group of Christians in India. And those of you, uh, many of you will be well aware that India has thousands of gods. All right. Yes. Like the definition of idol worship, like as we know it in the old Testament and the new Testament, it's there and it's very pervasive and very intense. And what they would do is they would, it was specifically in a uh, area along the Ganges and those who know what that, those who don't know what happens at the Ganges, specifically in areas like the city of Varanasi, they have tons of temples, like massive temples all along the shoreline. And you can go to these temples and you can burn your dead. If you can't afford a funeral pyre, they, you can wrap your, your loved one in um, cloth. They tie them with rope. They put a big stone on them. You attach to them. They go into the middle of the Ganges and they drop them in there. I saw both. I saw dead burnies, wow. dead bodies burning all over the place. I also saw them dropping bodies into the uh, Ganges River, and the Ganges River is like like lime green. It's real nasty, um, but also very intense. Okay, so a group of Christians went there and they said, "We want to evangelize to these people." So what they did to cater towards the people worshiping these idols is they set a giant rock on the shoreline and they said, everybody, this is God come worship God. Um, no, like that's not, that's actually not interesting evangelism. Technique. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, one of my students, I believe under the unction of the Holy Spirit, not knowing that this ha they were doing this, I knew they were doing this. Um, that some of these Christians ended up being in the same room, and he actually preached a message against contextualizing the gospel, and it wow. caused all this like tension. They were like upset and asking all these questions, and he's like, "What is going on?" <laughs> and and so. Um, I believe that was a rebuke from the Lord to these, these Christians. And my, my student right. had no idea. Wow. Um, and it was his awesome. turn to, it was her, his turn to preach. And, uh, and so, yeah, so that's yeah. a good example that this stuff is even happening today. So, so you could go, Oh, well they're, um, you know, these people looking through the lens of these people going like, oh, they're just so wicked that they did these things. Maybe. OK, but also it was a it was a fleshly desire to help people understand in their own flesh to understand God. And so maybe they were allowing certain things because they thought it'd be more palatable to bring them into mm -hmm. their church. It could be a lot of different things, but that right, really put it right. in perspective to me because these were Christians that we, we you know, that we were um, we weren't working directly with these Christians, but some of them were there in this meeting that we were at. Yeah, it was their genuine desire to help people understand who God is, but they were interpreting right. it through their flesh. Right. And yeah. 
So yep, you don't want to be doing that. You have to no. just preach the gospel for what it for what it is, and people will be pierced to the heart through the truth of the gospel, and that is what gets them saved. Not the creative way mm -hmm. you think of how to formulate it's worked for thousands. The gospel has worked for thousands of years and we need to keep with that. And people will either be pierced to the heart and repent of their sins and be convicted, or they will harden their heart. Like the Israelites did. They, they harden their hearts and they turned away. The Holy spirit says this day, don't harden your hearts this day mm -hmm. and every day to be honest even as people who've come to Christ and are Christians and are confessing Christians, repentant every day, don't harden your heart towards right. the Lord. It's yeah. a daily thing that we continue to turn to him. We continue to seek him. Um, and so, yeah, the, the church of Pergamum, man, that's, that's a hard place to be. And what we don't understand reading these letters, honestly, is that, you know, when you came to these churches and you were converted, remember, all of these seven churches are not um, Jewish, so they're they're Greek. They're they're Gentiles. They are not. They're under Roman control. They're not uh, Jewish cities, so it's not Israel, Jerusalem. These are all places where um, Gentiles were, where the churches were formed, and Paul went and preached. Mm -hmm. And they they this was all new to them. So they accepted Christ, and when they did, they literally had to leave mostly ev a lot of what they did behind. I mean, they were all doing this. The whole city was worshiping in idolatry. The whole, everyone was doing this. This was what they were taught since they were young. And so when they accepted Christ, they had to turn from all this. So you understand a little bit better, I hope, through this teaching of what it was like to be in those churches and why, why is John writing these letters to these churches? Because it, it's not easy to be in these churches. And Jesus has a message for each of these churches. And he happened to give it through John. And I believe a lot of the, the letters, we can, even today, we can see where the Lord's talking to us through these letters. Mm -hmm. And it encourages us. I mean, it encourages me when I think about the people that, uh, the friendships that I've lost. Or even, you know, m with my husband working in what he does. Um you know, a lot of times uh, with my husband's work, um, they have meetings and they have um, times where they go and they um, have these big bi business meetings where a lot of people go and there's restaurants and there's um, always drinking at every single event that they do. Um, lots of drinking, heavy drinking, wow. um, inappropriate stuff. It's lots of people. And so my husband is faced with this type of stuff. Okay, well, this is my job. So what am I going to do? I'm going to tell them I am a believer. I'm a Christian. I don't drink. And so dinner is great. Talking to people is great. But then I'm going up to, to my room. And that's something that everyone he works with knows. And they mock him for it. And they give him a hard time for it. You know, oh, he's not going to drink. He's a Christian. You know, you know, some of the guys he works with are um, diff different denominations. And they don't choose to do the same stuff that my husband does. They choose to be part of um, whatever the company's doing. And, you know, they give my husband a really hard time and they're, they're Christians. So it's really a Christian, you know, persecuting 
Christians for <laughs> living the right way. But this is modern day stuff, you guys. I mean, this happens. And, you know, you'll lose when you come to Christ, you can lose friends or you can lose mm-hmm. um, your reputation at work or, you know, because a lot of times when you're in sin, I can tell you this when I was fully in sin, like the Bible talks about you would bring others into sin and then you would p- applaud them when they did. Oh, that was yeah. totally me as a sinner. I would want all my friends to go with me in sin and then I'd applaud them when they did. And if they didn't, well, guess what? You're not, if you don't want to go out clubbing with me, then why are we even friends? Hmm. And that's how, a, that's, I'm sorry. That's just the way it was. That's, you know, when you live in the world. And so this stuff is all um, letters written to us today. And so knowing the history of this and how it applies to us, um, I just believe it's so important, you guys. It's so important to study the word of God and know the deep meanings of what Jesus is saying to us. And I know we're going to do a second series on this, but I hope this this blessed you and you guys are like, wow, that's amazing. Because I know when I geek out on stuff like this, reading commentaries, I'm like, oh, that's incredible. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So I would encourage you guys to go read you know, revelations chapter one through wow. Like, uh, half of two, three. Yeah. Read because we only got four. Yeah. Cause we what, didn't get revelation to Thyatira yet. So, but you can still read it for next yeah. time. So you can you're read, aware. you can read all of them. You can read his yes, letter to all, read of, all them of them for yeah. sure. Take your own notes. All that good stuff. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. Well, Kelsey, Our... go ahead and go ahead and pray for people. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Well, first, Um, For those of you watching, maybe you clicked on this and you thought, wow, this is really interesting. And they're talking about the book of Revelation and I want to hear what they have to say. And maybe you don't really know Jesus intimately or personally. Maybe you've been kind of wondering or you've been dipping your toe in like, oh, I don't know. I still want to keep my life. And but yet these letters, they're convicting me. I can't keep my life and have Christ. So maybe that's you watching today. So I just want to pray for you if that's you and you feel a call on your heart today to fully dedicate your life to Christ, fully give everything to him. Don't compromise anymore. If you heard these letters and it really hits you, it hits your heart that I can't live like the world and follow Christ. I can't do that. I There's a reward waiting for me if I endure and I want to endure. So I just want to pray for you today if that's you. So mm-hmm. Father, I thank you for drawing all hearts. Lord, you said that when Jesus is lifted up, you draw all men unto him. And so, Father, right now, for those who feel like I'm ready to give my life fully, I'm ready to fully give my life, Lord, I pray right now that you would just fill them fresh. Lord, you'd fill them with the Holy Spirit as they repent of their sins, God, as they fully turn to you, God. I ask that you would sustain them in their walk. I ask for grace over their walk, God. I ask that you would teach them, Holy Spirit, how to read the Bible. You'd give them a desire to know the word, know the deep things of the word. Lord, I pray that you would help them understand it, God. And if that's you, I just want you to repeat after me and just say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. I turn to you today. I give you all of my life. I repent, Lord. Come and bring healing right now to my soul, God. I leave the world behind and I turn to Christ. I give you my yes, Lord. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. 
Lord, thank you for rising on the third day and now being seated in heavenly places. Thank you for saving me. I'll follow you the rest of the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And for those who feel like they've maybe far away, it's never every day you can turn back to the Lord. Every day you can turn away mm -hmm. from your sin, um, repent of your sin. Every single day you have that opportunity. His mercies are new every single Amen. day. And so I want to pray for all the rest of you guys. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to go through your word, to read your word and learn more about what you're saying to the churches, God. Thank you for revealing who you are as the one with the double-edged sword, the one who has eyes like flames of fire, burnished bronze feet. Lord, your face shines brighter than the sun in all its radiance. God, you are the king of glory. Everything is held together by your spoken word, and yet you left it all for us. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice. Lord, thank you for taking everything upon yourself and yet loving us so much that you walk amongst us. You hold us in your hand. Lord, you so deeply care for us. You so deeply love us, God. Thank you for constantly bringing us back time and time again, Lord. When we turn away or when we fall, Lord, you always grab our hearts and pull us closer to you. You pull us back. God, thank you for pulling us back. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your word. Lord, I pray right now for those who feel like um, they've really been slowly but steadily um, conforming more to the wor world than to your word. Lord, I pray right now for those who've been struggling with this inside and they've been having a hard time, Lord, turning away from the things of the world. Father, I just ask that you would give them grace, Lord. You'd give them grace to turn away from the things of the world. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak to them, speak to their heart. Holy Spirit, bring them to repentance. Bring them conviction, Lord, and help them each and every day as they walk with you, God. I ask that you would just Pour a blessing of your word over them, Lord. Open up the Bible like never before. God, give us a hunger for your word again. Lord, let us want to eat it like bread. Every day we need fresh manna. Lord, every day we need to hear your voice through the scriptures. God, please, Lord, I, I pray that you would just pour that out on those listening and those who are going to listen. God, give us a hunger for you, for your presence, for your word. Lord, let us be refreshed by the washing of the water of the word. And Lord, let us all endure till the end. Lord, we don't want to turn away, but we want to follow you. We want to follow the lamb wherever he goes. Father, grant that to us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 This is great. Again, everybody, we will do a part two. Uh, we're working out the date of that. We have a tentative date. It'll be soon. Um, so, um, Kelsey, how can people follow you? 
Uh, it's right there. So go on Facebook. Um, really, Marriage of the Lamb. I just kind of post stuff like this. But uh, Kelsey O'Malley on Facebook. If you follow me there, that's where I kind of just post. I'm a I'm an encourager, so I just like to post scripture and then encourage mm-hmm. with scripture. So really, that's probably the best um, place to follow me as of right now because I just had a baby not that long ago. So I'm not as active on YouTube and stuff. Not doing any of my classes for women that I normally do just because it's it's a, you know, any moms out there, it's a special time. I don't yep. want to, don't want to miss it. So, um, yeah, that's probably the best that against you. you yeah. Know. That's the okay. best place to follow me. Or you can always, um, email me if you have a prayer request, um, at marriage of the lamb ministries at gmail.com. Um, I read through all your guys' prayer requests and, um, definitely I try to write back the best I can, but pray over each and every one of them a hundred percent for sure. So awesome. So uh, her email is in the description under the stuff we talked about section, just in case you're like, what was that again? You don't even have to rewind. You can just look in the description right now and it's right there. So yeah, if you want to email her, there it is. Kelsey, thank you so much. It's always so fun having you on. You know, it's just like no, no effort from me to even like, it's it's nice when you know someone, you know, a lot of the people I have on a lot when I see them on the schedule, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I just have to show up and we can just party, you know? So um, thank you, Kelsey. It was great. Oh, love you guys. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, everybody. I know you guys were blessed by this. Um, Super important. I think a super important point to address, you know, these points within these, these letters, very important to address right now, uh, especially on the eve of a new year. Um, Obviously it was Rosh Hashanah. So technically, depending on how you look at it, it is a new year. Um, so anyways, um, everybody have a blessed, blessed weekend. I'm going to be having a lot of fun. I pray you do as well. Tune in on Monday. We got Charlie champ back. Woo. So, uh, he's been dropping some revelation and some, yeah, he's some, he's and awesome. some prof prophecy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, that's going to be great. You guys, you're not going to want to miss that. That's at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Also, Elijah Fire, or not Elijah Fire, Elijah Streams.com slash donate is how you guys donate. So you get the double whams. You support the ministry and you support the water wells. So uh, amazing things being done because of your guys' generosity. So God bless you guys. Have a blessed weekend. And we will see you on Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time with Charlie Shab. Okay, bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today. 